and welcome to 1882. This is your Tottenham podcast. I hope you've all had a fantastic Christmas if you've celebrated and I hope you all have a fantastic new year. As always, I'm Ash. I am your host today and with me is my big bro Chris. How you doing, mate? Not too bad yourself. All good? Yeah, man. Not too bad. Not too bad. And with us today, our special guest, um, you might know him from, from Twitter, it's Ian Lubin. How you doing, Ian? Yeah, fine. All good, thanks. Fantastic. How's your uh, How's your little festive break? Went by too quickly. Which <laughs> went well. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a good sign. It's usually a good it's sign. Good. Yeah, stress free. Helped obviously by the Spurs result against um, against Bournemouth, but we'll come back to that. Um, so just like to get to know our guest a little bit when we when we get someone on. So can you just tell us a little bit about your sort of how, how you became a fan of Spurs and how long that's been that sort of thing. Well, my dad was from Stanford Hill, which is equal distance between the two clubs. Yeah. Thankfully, he picked the right one. <laughs> I followed in his footsteps. Um, he took me to my first Spurs game, Good Friday, 1965, where we beat, Black, we beat Blackburn 5-2. Greaves got two, Gilzine got three. Um, I've been a fan ever since. That's an impeccable memory, that is. <laughs> oh, I feel, I'm pretty sure mine was a friendly against Rome, but I cannot tell you the result. I can't even tell you who played or the year, to be honest. But there you go. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. We'll get sh- cracking straight on with the uh, Bournemouth game. Fantastic 3-1 win. I say fantastic. We'll discuss that a bit later. But certainly a 3-1 win for Spurs. Uh, Christian, we always start with your sort of uh, assessment of the game as a whole, mate. What can you tell me about your feelings on this game? I think the way that you'd sum it up is a very, very good result against a a good informed team and someone who's got a manager that I've liked for a bit now, um, speaking to some other people that I've met on Twitter um, and places like that that are really high in like the Spanish game, really rate this guy to to be the next um, sort of Spanish um, great manager, um, next super manager for them. Um, And he's transferred... He's got some big boots to fill down, hasn't he? Sorry about that, yeah, 100%, but... Look the way he's turned him around, and just like Ange, the style of football he's changed. He's gone against the status quo where they're just defending to stay up, and they're actually chasing games. And but yeah, but very good result, just okay performance. Not a great performance, but the result is what counts for me. Yeah, and was there anything specific that may have worried you from that game? We'll go into the details about the goals and that sort of thing in a bit. Um, but it was a bit edgy. I'm sure you would have seen from Twitter and from other, if you can other Tottenham fans, <laughs> no one was comfortable watching it, was there? Um, I think it's, I think it, while we've got all these players missing, for me it's just a question of staying in touch with the top four teams. And we seem to be getting there. I mean, Thursday was just dreadful. I was down at Brighton. We could have been seven down at half-time. Um, I think he picked the wrong team. I think Zerbi got his tactics right and gave gave Ange a masterclass in tactics Thursday night. Um, but they bounced back well on Sunday. So, you know, it's, uh, as I say, it's just a question of just hanging in there until the main players come back. And then hopefully we can go on another run again. Yeah, I mean, I think 
we knew that these sort of results were going to come at the start of the season when we're implementing a new style of play, completely new manager, quite a lot of turnover in, in players. And obviously, we've got to take into account the amount of injuries you've got. Um, and I know we're play, maybe playing once a week, but some of the guys like Poro and Adogi and that lot haven't really had a break. Well, Adogi's had a couple of suspensions. <laughs> but there's a few of them out there that haven't that's had to play every minute of every game. And... Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying about the Brighton game in terms of the tactics, but I think a lot of it comes down to fatigue, um, whether that be physical or mental. They just didn't quite seem at it, and we sort of seem to revert back to the same thing we sort of played, we saw under the, at the latter stages of the Conte. Um, I think the only the only thing I would go against that, and with what Ian said in terms of injuries and staying in touch, a hundred percent. If we go back to before the season started, we're way. Ab- in this rebuild that we were expecting, we're way further ahead than we could have ever expected. And if you ever expected anything more, you're just lying to yourself. So in terms of the overall picture, it was good. But if we look at the Bournemouth game in isolation, for me, um, and you could also add in like the West Ham game, Aston Villa game, is that... I can't put it too much to, to fatigue when they can turn up for, for the first 20 minutes, half an hour and absolutely killing teams. Just just can't put the ball in the back of the net. And then we just seem to either get too confident or when a team is starting to build up um, a lot of pressure um, and a lot of momentum, we don't know how to slow them down. And I think that's a bit of naivety, whether it is the, the, a lot of the leaders in our team are not, weren't playing, um, a lot of the players that are the most comfortable in the ball and can dictate the tempo, like your Benzikers, your Med- Madisons, they weren't on the pitch. Um, and obviously, Sark can do that. Um, still got some maturity to do, but he, he's starting to learn that. He went off early. So, yeah, I... I Again, very great result, but for me, I just feel like as a team, we just need to we need to be a lot more smarter in the way that we deal with things. Um, we, we we should see it. Same with Brighton again, like you mentioned, Ian. For me, is once you go one nil, two nil down, you've got to do something to kill that momentum. Whether it's just playing it around the back four into the midfield, keeping control of possession to to kill that momentum. They've got to be saying to do. They're just being a bit naive. Um, and then when they come out for the second half again, 15, 20 minutes, they're killing it again. And then, or they, they start slow and then they finish strong. It's for me that why are they not doing it for the full 90 is my only concern. Well, for me, those patterns that you just described there are evidence of fatigue rather than anything else, not rather than activity or whatever. I, I see what you're saying, but if they're, they're starting well and then getting pushed back as as the team sort of start, the opposition start to develop their pattern or their press and that sort of thing. That to me is fatigue coming in. Not just fatigue, obviously, missing out the players in midfield that can actually pass the ball over four yards is really <laughs> quite a big deal. But um, fortunately, you, you mentioned that we, we, we went down against um, Brighton and then shit at a fan. It wasn't the case against Bournemouth. But no. Nice early goal with Pep Sarr. And um, that came with, with a lot of energy, actually. We're winning the ball high up the pitch with Bentacore. The Chelsea are getting stuck in. And 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 so I thought we'd fucked it up when he took it a step to the right. Yeah, no, the shot was great. I thought he took it way too wide of his, with, with the touch. But um, he did really good. He did really, really great. And how, how highly do you rate him, Ian? Obviously, he's got his new contract now as well, which is great news. I think it's it's funny actually. To me, he's a player that's starting to break through. I wouldn't say you know you, you look at <clears throat> you look at the 
the midfield, I'd, I'd probably put him now marginally in front of Basuma. Um, a, probably because he's quicker. Um, he's not as rash. Um, Basuma's made some awful decisions like diving at Luton, flying in at Forest, getting himself sent off, you know, for just, just for nonsensical decisions. And so for me now, I'd, I'd say Sari's coming through. I would put him in the front, my first three in midfield with Ben Senkor and Madison. Um, no, listen, I'm very delighted that he signed, you know, along with Udoji. And, um, you know, which is, he's doing his job, Levy, if he's, you know, tying up these young players. Yeah, it's something that we've probably not done well enough in the past. So you've got to, you've got to give um, Daniel Levy some credit when he does the good stuff. Yeah. We sure do give him the stick when he does the does the bad. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's interesting that you'd put him in the in the starting three. I think it's just something that more and more Spurs fans have sort of come into agreement with as the season progresses. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, we we got that early goal. Um, Christian, a lot of comparisons with uh, with um, with one Patrick Vieira. Is that a bit premature, or do you see it? I don't think they're similar at all. No, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I think I've if, been pulling my hair out. If he, if he, if we're doing this, I hate doing these comparison with players because everyone's unique in their own way, right? It's not normally just positions that that bring players together. But if you're really going to compare him stylistically, he's closer to a Yaya Toure than he is a Vieira. Yeah. Yeah, all day long just the way, he can, he, the way he drives with the ball um, his ability to finish Vieira was more more physical um, Vieira defensively absolutely amazing yes he could score don't get me wrong um, he's, he's one of those players that we didn't like him when he played for Arsenal but when he finally left we could say yeah he was a good player <laughs> like he was a top player but he's nothing like Sar and I think going back to what Ian said I think I, I would agree. I think Benzema for me has to play that six role, just because of he's so so anti press. Like Basuma is as well, um, but the defence just look like so comfortable when Benzema is just in front of him. And against Bournemouth, Benzema wasn't at his best. Um, but at the same time, the impact he has on the rest of the team is is just phenomenal in, in my eyes. And I think it gives you that ability to to change. You can give Saar a rest and move Benzema further forward and play the Basuma. Yeah. Maybe play that against a, a Man City type team or a Liverpool that you know you're going to be on the back foot a lot. Um, and then if you if you want to play someone with with high energy rate, you put in Saar and drop Basuma. It gives us that flexibility that we've wanted in our midfield for a very long time. Um, and if fatigue is an issue that this team's got Ash you need to have a stre- uh, strength and depth and Saar definitely gives us that and so does Basuma yeah it's a great great headache to have or great options to have it's nothing like you said we, I can't remember the last time we've actually had options in midfield and it hasn't just named itself with ease but he obviously he, he had that injury but it seems to be good news he is on his way to the African Cup of Nations so Best of luck to him. Obviously, on a selfish point of view, I'd hope he'd stay and stay a little bit. But no, fair play to him. Um, and then from that moment on, he, I think it's because Saar goes off that we start to struggle. Skip can't cover the pitch or move the ball as well as he did. Um, we start to see Bournemouth come into the game. How did you see that middle phase uh, pan out for us, Ian? Yeah, 
Well, it's difficult for me because I've just literally seen highlights. That's a good point. So, but you must have seen from the highlights that it was Bournemouth attack after attack. I, I, I just think we've won games without being convincing. Everton was another one. Mm. And it sounds like Bournemouth sort of mirrored that a little bit. It was it was almost identical um, and in, in the fact that Bournemouth had a lot of the ball. Um, they, they had it in the wide areas quite a lot. But we were just clinical on the day. We we had four or five chances and we took three of them. It was um, it was Aston Villa all over again. Just this time yeah. we put a chance in the back of the net. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, obviously we condemned them to the to only one goal. We, we restricted them to only one goal, which was uh, which was great news. But before we come to come to their goal, Christian uh, Son, I saw on Twitter that you were begging to get him off the pitch, yeah. but he does what he always does. And you can see that from his overperformance of these expected goals year on year on year, and he put us two 0 up. No, of course. And listen, Son does that. Don't get me wrong. But if you're if you're a manager and at half time something's not working, and you looking back at what happened at Everton, what happened at Villa, what happened at West Ham, um, what like you've got to change it, right? And he didn't decide to change it. But what I saw him do was was really energised the team um, he really got into Skip he really got into Benzica. Um you could see that from the side of the pitch and and for me he, he, he's got he's not got lucky but it's worked for him um, but when you're looking at that first half at half time Son that whole front three I thought Richie um, wasn't great but what he did offer was his work rate off the ball. There was He's times, an incredible presser. Mate, it's, there was times where he was defending the furthest back of the midfield. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. So that's why I would have put him to the left because Adoji was getting pounded. No no help. Um, and then, again, maybe I was counteracting the way that Bournemouth were playing rather than thinking of positive. Maybe that's the case. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm nowhere near... You are Italian after badges. all. <laughs> yeah, I ain't got the badges that Andrew's got. So I can be wrong. I'm happy that I'm wrong. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I just felt that Son or Johnson could have come off. Um, either one. Um, but listen, Son wasn't good that first half. Like, we... We, 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 we're slowly creeping in to putting Son in the same shoe that Kane was in because Ian might, I don't know if you agree, pal, is I always felt that as a fan base, we were not allowed to criticise Kane because of what he gave us. I think, <clears throat> I think when you, when you look on, you look on the radio, you look on Sky, you read the papers and when matches are being reported, it's mainly, you know, they'll they'll put the headline, um, they'll put the headline pieces about the defining moments in a game, and you know who who actually turned the game. So people, you know, you'll you'll look at, I mean, people were talking about Salah, but evidently he did nothing for Liverpool the other night, but he's um, but he scored, and you know there there are players that turn games. And they can do nothing for 60, 70 minutes. And then all of a sudden they've scored. I mean, it was a fabulous ball from the Celso. And Sun took it beautifully. And all of a sudden the game's done. Mm. And I think that's that's one thing that we've got to, I think we've got to sort of agree on is that 
it wasn't Sonny changed the game, Ash. It was Lo Celso. Oh, mate, I'm so glad. Lo Celso, that second half, come out like a demon, mate. He was sublime in that second half. He's the one that changed the game. Son just finished it off. That pass was unreal. The way he was playing one-touch football, um, two-touch, he was... He was progressing the ball he was dropping in deep working his socks off um, Lo Celso for me was the guy that was that guy that changed that game um, yeah, he was my man of the match soft. 100% but he has only got 18 months left on his contract Chris what do you do do you extend or do you try and cash in whilst his um, whilst interest may be high and his value is sort of as top as high as might, might, might be we've got, we've got bigger problems Ash we've still got Skip and Heibergs to sort out um, and that means replacing them two. So if you don't replace them two, then you can't get rid of the Celso, right? Um, because yes, you can move Kulu across and help with giving a Madison a rest, but then that's, that leaves you a gap, give you a gap on the right. So I think the Celso is not a problem that we should be looking at. Um, if he wants to stay at the club, if he's willing to work like he showed us and he can show us consistency to the end of the season. Because for me, the Celso has always shown great spells. He's just not been consistent enough. If he can turn that around, I'm happy to keep him at the club. I'll be honest, there's not many out there that you're going to get in at a discounted price that are going to be better than the Celso. And ultimately, if you're going to replace him, it needs to be with someone better. Yeah, Ian, how do you feel about the uh, Celso well, coming to the end of his contract? Well, I saw the Celso at Southampton in the cup game. I remember he burst from the right-hand side, just outside our penalty area, beat five players, laid the ball off to Sonny, and Sonny scored. We ended up with one-all draw. But that was that, that moment has stayed with me, and that showed me that what the Celso is capable of. Mm. And he's only for me the only issue is he's made of glass. He's always injured. Yeah. But apart from that, you know, he's a, he's a superb player. And you want as many superb players at your club as you, as you can get. So why would you want to cash in? It's, to me, it's about it's not about cashing in. It's about winning trophies. And your assets are on the pitch. They're not in the bank. Absolutely. I think he's starting to show us now why he's valued so highly by whoever's there, whoever the Argentinian manager is. Because he's had two or three different ones and he's always in the team. Yeah. Even when he's not really been playing for us, he just shows you, he's been showing us now why they value some highly, what he can bring. And it's not just obviously that we've got to talk about that pass because that was phenomenal. On the outside of his foot, oh, his left foot, first time, inch perfect into Sonny's uh, sort of stride. It was unreal. And he's got that in his locker and we've seen that time and time again. But he's also a massive workhorse and the best shithouse we've seen since Lamella. <laughs> just... He's always involved in it. I don't know if you saw the clip, Ian, of the um, little bit of handbags that was going on when Veliz got injured, <laughs> which led to the uh, yellow card for the Chelsea and Ange. Oh. I saw a before he even goes over over to the managers he's on the pitch how he doesn't get told off from the <laughs> official right he's not just come out of the technical area he's on the pitch screaming at Valise to go down then Iriola and the Bournemouth team have got a problem and he's straight around onto their side not even Andrew's got as far as he has uh, <laughs> And it's, so yeah, and it's the same with uh, was it Everton game when the player was getting subbed and he's had a, he said a quiet word in their ear. Yeah, yeah, there was it was he pushed was it Dan Dreamer or someone he had a word and pushed him off, and then there was um, 
shoulder barge in um, Harlan as he stormed off with his hair, yeah. his long hair down. I love that side of it. Like just obviously, I don't want him to get suspended from games because we've got enough suspensions. But I love that passion and that fight. And yeah, and if if that's going to translate to you know his work rate on the pitch and his um, desire to just to be at the club. I mean, he said some fantastic stuff in the in the media. He sounds finally settled. It might be due to the fact that we've got several South Americans and, and Spanish speakers at the club now. That might have something to do with it. He seems more settled now than he has ever been before. He's got a manager now that plays a style of football that he really identifies with. Um, and we're starting to see the best of him. And I want I want to keep him around. I think he's fantastic for the eight and the ten, and he gives us all sorts of flexibility, especially when matters we know matters as good as he is. He is injury prone himself, so I'd I'd definitely keep him. Um, he's only on something like seventy grand, so we might as well keep him. But um, we then went on to score a third. It seemed some might say against the the, the the stroke of play, but I think actually we were starting to get a foothold in it again by this point. And um, Johnson, who's been receiving his fair share of critics, and I'm not going to say wrongly so because he has been some par in, in some elements. And in this game, he he wasn't really around until this assist, was he, Chris? But he managed to get him behind and almost like a, a trade bark pass across the box into um, into Richarlison. Couldn't really get that one wrong, could he, Ash? Let's be honest. I've seen I've seen people get that wrong. He he's put it in with the right amount of power, he's whipped it in across whipped across straight onto his straight into his Charleston stride, much like the, the Chelsea one. He did, didn't really have to move. Um you've got to give him the credit when the credit's due. Like he, oh, listen, he gets don't. that's where he's at his best, getting him behind and, and getting the ball into the danger area. No, hundred percent, but then we've got to look at has he been getting in behind? Has he been getting his head up and his delivery's been good enough? And during his time at Tottenham, it hasn't. But at the same time, he's a young kid. He's someone we've just brought in. Yes, I'll always criticise a player from day one. But to say to force him out of the club, of course, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But for me, he's got some improvement to do. Do I see the right attributes? I see all the attributes for him to be a top, top player. But he just needs to, for me, he needs to work on his uh, player IQ, his game IQ. Um, he needs to just be a bit, bit more smarter um, in the game. Um, and I think that will come with age. Hopefully, we've got a great player on our hands. I don't see why not. Um, but yeah, listen, well done. Great, good cross into Richie. But at the end of the day, overall performance, it wasn't nothing special. He's done what he's needed to do. Um, but yeah, listen, I think when Madders comes back, uh, move Kulu back over to the right and we'll have a better team. But hopefully that could be the turning point uh, for Johnson. And I, I really hope it, it, it is. I think with, I think with Johnson, it's a question, I think it's mental as well as, as well as, working out how he's going to play within the within the system because for me it's about him believing in himself and believing that he is good enough to be playing at Tottenham Hotspur I think once he gets his head around that you'll see a different player yeah I'm not sure he expected to be in the starting lineup so much this season I think if Madders didn't get injured we would see Madison in the 10 Son on the left with Shollison up front and and Kulisevsky on the right so yeah. maybe his his progress has been sort of expedited because of the amount of injuries we've got and um he, he still does have to adjust to this new style of play um he's been asked to do something very different from Ange that he was doing under Steve Cooper so 
He's young. He's young. Let, let's see how it goes. As Spurs fans, we always moan when we don't spend enough money. So for me, let's ignore ignore the, the um, price tag on his head. Give the kid a, a chance to settle in and let's see how he goes. If anyone can bring out the best and uh, confident performance out of him, then I'm confident it's Ange. Um, and, but then at the end, we, we made a number of changes um, right before the uh, before the Bournemouth goal, Chris. I think we've spoken about this before. Oh, darn, darn. Uh, we, we've, we've got to talk about it because one thing that all fans of all clubs love more than anything is seeing young players come through and be given their chance. And at three 0 up with ten minutes to go, Ange goes to bring on a defender to to shore up the defence. Why not bring on? Phillips or Dorrington, why bring on Dyer, who you obviously don't want at the club because you're starting a right back back instead of? What, where's the where's the logic in that, Chris? Can you help me out, please? I, I, there is no logic. I don't get it. I really don't. I really don't like. Listen, Andrew's clearly. I'm going to have to go with what everyone tells me. Um, I get absolutely hounded by talking about bringing some youth players in and. And starting developing them in the last five, ten minutes of a game when you free one up, what's the risk? But there must be some kind of risk. Uh, Ange must see it in training. Um, I'm going to have to go with his call on this because there is no logic to explain why the likes of Eric Dyer are coming on for ten minutes. There doesn't make, especially when there's reports coming out saying we're we're going to cut his contract and he's off for free. Don't make no sense. Yeah, it's baffling. Um, I understand the argument that the, the youngsters aren't ready, especially at centre-half. It's a very difficult position to, to come on at 18 years old. But um, you, you want to see these chances given to the youngsters, don't you, Ian? Definitely. I, it's, he's, he's a real contradiction, Edge, because when it comes to style of football, it's all risk. It's all high risk. Mm. When it comes to team selections, there's no risk. There's just nothing. I mean, apart from bringing Donnelly on for the last five minutes at the Etihad at 3 all. But that yeah. was another thing. That's that's a move, actually, I would, I would love to have seen. When Sal got injured, I would have loved to have seen the Chelsea drop down into the eight and Donnelly come on in the 10 so that we can keep possession of the ball. Cause we've, I spoke earlier about how much we lost control and, and Skip's inability to, to do what Sal does. Um, but he doesn't, you're right, he doesn't take that risk. It makes you wonder what Angie's looking at. I mean, that for me, I think he's done a great job, bar his team selection at times. I think at Wolves, after the uh, the Chelsea disaster, he should have, for me, he should have played Phillips instead of Dyer. Yeah. If Dyer's n- not going to be a part of the club long term, there is just no point playing him. And you're better off betting in Phillips, A, because you've got him. B because you want to see whether he is whether he's got it or not, and you know he is a proper centre back. For me, Dyer is a defensive midfield player. That's the, the one the one good season he had with the club consistently was when he played next to Dembele in 2015-16. So I, I didn't see any point in playing in playing Dyer instead of Phillips. There was no point replacing Madison with Hoybier when he had Lucelso on the bench. Um, and and this, these strange decisions have gone on and on and on. And, you know, you've got kids that are sitting on the bench that must be looking at, I mean, at Brighton. I mean, it was embarrassing to see what, what 
Wilbeck and Jao Pedro were doing to um, were doing to Emerson and Davis. Yeah, that was one of the worst performances I've seen from Emerson in, in that Brighton game. It was, it was really difficult. But let's make it clear, Ash, right, is that Emerson has actually been very good for us, right? Yeah, I don't blame him. He's playing out of position. Yeah, exactly. Just like Ian said, centre-back is probably the hardest position to play, very specialised, and that's why it's harder for kids to break through because you've got to be of of a certain maturity to be able to play that game effectively, right? But at the same time, you're forcing two full-backs. I think it's just unfair on them two because you're now scapegoating Emerson and you're putting him out in the spotlight to when he has these bad performances for people to judge him when it was probably easier and more natural for 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 Phillips to be put in there. Phillips is six foot four. Six Phillips is built like a brick house. He's a big lad. Whereas Dorrington I can understand he's very he's very quick, very good on the ball, but he hasn't grown into his natural body yet. Like Phillips slightly. Yeah, Phillips is a beast. Trust you see me. that clip of him standing next to Van der Ven in the uh, kind of what game it was. He's massive, Phillips. He's, the other he's point, a big boy. The other point to make is that had Phillips been given a run, then you know whether you've got another centre-back. Hmm. And you don't have to go and spend 30 million or whatever it's going to end up, you know, buying the Romanian boy. Um, because you've got Phillips there. So if you've got someone there, for me... It, this season was all about Ange looking at the squads, seeing who he wanted for next season and who he wanted out. You know, if if you're talking, you're planning three, four years, why are you not playing players? I don't get it. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and one that hopefully gets answered over time when we start seeing the integration of them. Um, well, Friday will be interesting, won't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll see some youngsters. We've got Dane Scarlett coming back. Um, hopefully he gets in. Um, we, we did see the injury to Valise, which is actually quite disappointing because he looked like he was really starting to come into himself in, in the club and in the league. Um, clearly, clearly devastated with that, wasn't he, Chris? Oh, oh, mate, I felt like crying myself. Um, I could tell it was a bad one with just the way the way he was. Players know more before that any kind of staff know what sort of... You don't need scans. A player can tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm out here for a long time. Um, and you saw it with the way Bentico went down for the second time, even um, when he went down Burnley away um, a while back now. You could tell and... That boy just looked absolutely devastated when he come off the pitch, and players had to go and grab him. Um, hopefully, he's he can see that. Look at the marvelous turnaround Bentaker's had. Um, he's not only got over two bad injuries, he's come back from both of them early, um, recuperated really well. So, Lee's this young boy, no doubt he gets over it. I just hope the right. Off, off-field management to help this kid is, is there in place for him and no doubt the South American boys would definitely help him on the outside um, I just hope the club do it and honestly devastated because he looked like a real fox in the box he looks growing in confidence just in his movements um, and you know what if we, we've been saying it about people like Hoiberg oh he's a soldier mate ain't no one a soldier like Veliz the way he was 
running around that pitch, he should have gone down a long time ago. He had one knee by the looks of him. Like no. he's, you can see now he's in the um, he's in the brace. It doesn't look like it should be quite a serious one. But he didn't want to stop. He knew that he was. He had no subs remaining, and he, he kept going and going. Biting on his t-shirt to get through it to it. Yeah. And then Hoi, then Hoiberg. Instead of looking <laughs> to his left and seeing Son open, he gives it to a guy that he knows is hobbling. It's, yeah. it's fast. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw this, but basically we had a three-on-one counter-attack. We had the, with the Bournemouth man directly in front of Hoybier. We had Valise to his right on one knee and Son on the left. And he decides to play it about 10 yards in front of Valise on the right-hand side. For God knows why. It was probably the most Hoybier moment uh, we've seen from him in a Spurs shot. It was bonkers. Um, before we come on to talk about, I want to talk about a couple of players individually. Um, obviously, there was a bittersweet moment um, in the in the Bournemouth thing. It wasn't all bad because it was a it was a proper Tottenham boy who got who got the goal, and Alex Scott. Um, I don't know. If, do you want to talk about the goal, Chris, or do you want to talk about why he should be at the club <laughs> rather than Bournemouth? You know, I hope he celebrates a lot more at the uh, goals at the football club, but he's hopefully on the right side. Um, plenty of reports saying that he's a Tottenham fan. Um, pictures shows a Tottenham fan, so I bet it was a very happy moment for him. What would make him happy is being at the club. And yes, he struggled when he first came in, had a few couple niggles and stuff. But I tell you what, if we had in what? seven eight years time we had a midfield pairing of or, or, or trio of Saar Devine um, and Scott or Devine and Donnelly boy that, that is something to build off and the problem is now Bournemouth have given him the chance we've missed that train and if he proves that he can go up another level he's going to be 60 million plus he's already made we've already missed yeah. that train yeah um, I know you didn't see the game that much, Ian. You've seen the highlights, um, but we need to talk about Udogi. Obviously, like he's recently got the the new contract, um, and he was absolutely phenomenal in this game. How My, highly do you rate him across against other left backs in the league, Ian? Oh, I'm, I'm struggling to think of another left back that I've seen that's better and more consistent this season. Yeah, yeah, they're quite quite a dearth of talent in that position to be fair but but not taking nothing away from a doggy he's, he's consistently been excellent yeah there's not many better in the world than him no, no. i mean well the gooners did try to tell us that zinchenko was but now apparently they're looking for a new left back so what do they know there's a reason why pep gets rid of players and it's never because he can't fit them into a squad it's because they've never been good enough who's left man city and and become made a name of themselves no one right so Arteta was a bit naive there and thought he could recreate something. Didn't happen. You see the same issues that Pep would have seen. Um, and he's been exposed for it with balls over the top of Zinni's head all the time. Um, and he can't turn and track his player. But listen, in the world, if Robertson was fit, um, people like Fio Hernandez were at better clubs rather than AC Milan. Yes, they've got it over a doji because of their experience. Um and they are very, very good players. But on current form, there is not a better left back in the world than than a doji. I'm gonna, cl- I'm just gonna make that claim. The only two games and he's not really stood out. For me. I mean, Saka gave him a lesson at the Emirates, and Chelsea. I think mean, he just lost his head. But when he got sent off, but uh, I mean, the tackle in the first half was appalling. God knows why 
we got got involved there, and unfortunately that was a that started the train of events and that led to us losing. Um, and then to have 15 minutes at half time and come out and then get booked with a super tackle, you know, when when I think Sterling was going nowhere, but he'll learn. He's only 20 years old. Um, he's he's a fabulous fabulous player even now. You know, you can't even say as a prospect. He's he's sort of come through this season. Um, I'd say he's probably further on, slightly further on than Saris. Um, no, he's, he's, he's just a superb left back. My only worry with him is how long we can keep hold of him. I think he's that good. He's a dream for any team. Pep Guardiola would absolutely love him, and you just know that. And he can play in any system in any team in the world, and he, he's that good. Um, I think with the yellow cards, I think he's actually received quite a lot of really harsh yellow cards. So I'm not looking too much into that. Um, and most of them are against the best wingers in the world, or in the league, sorry. That he's received those yellow cards, so again, I think he's, he'll get better at that. But he's already he's already absolutely phenomenal. That and if he can just if he can just put in a better delivery, better cross from time to time, um, then he'd be he'd be unstoppable. He'd be absolutely unstoppable. Um, Chris, was there any other standouts from from that game? We spoke about the Chelsea. We've now spoken about Dogi Vicario. There we go. Let's talk about Big Vic. Big Vic. Yeah. Listen, we can't be surprised anymore. <laughs> he just turns up big game after big game, um, just like it's normal. Just pulls out wonder saves constantly, keeps us in games. Um, yeah, super keeper. But it's becoming, it's hard to explain because he's making it look so easy, making it look so natural. And my expectation from him is never anything short of a, a nine out of 10 every game. And that's just something within itself. But if we're talking about standouts, I don't think there's any arguments against that. The only two real candidates for me were a doji or Celso. Yeah. But with, with Vicari there, you mentioned that, you know, expecting a nine out of ten, but I think, I think Ian, I think you'll agree that no, none of us expected that when we first brought him in. How much of a surprise has he been? Well, when Spurs were in for Raya and then they dropped out and bought Vicario, the cheaper option. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I thought. Um, I saw him against Brentford, and he, he took a lot of stick on social media, but for me, he wasn't to blame for either the penalty or the own goal by Mickey. You know, it's a, it's a deflection. You know, okay, there are a couple of nervy moments on the ball uh, with his kicking, but otherwise, it's terrific. And then this first half against United, he kept us in it. Um, and he's just gone from strength to strength. And he is probably, for me, Vicario and Porro are probably the two standouts for me this season. Yeah. It's hard to argue. I love, I've waxed lyrical about. Pedro Porro in just about every single episode we've done this season. I think he's the most talented boy at the club, and I, I think he's excellent. And Vicario has, yeah, taken. I think the only the only weakness in his game, and this is me being extremely picky, um, is I, I wish he would catch it a bit more. He, he does like he does like a parry and, and a punch, and sometimes they don't go fantastically well. Um, if he can tidy that up a bit, then I think we're in with one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, certainly has been on form at the moment, and let's hope he can keep it up. Right then, uh, just before we finish, we'll have a quick preview into the Burnley game in the cup. How strong do you think we'll go, Ian, and how strong would you like us to go? I think, as against Fulham, where we made nine changes, 
Um, I don't think we've got that many players on the bench <laughs> or that many options to make, have we? We haven't. I'd like to see one or two youngsters put. Then I'd be happy. Um, the other, the other imponderable at the moment that we don't know is what team this company's going to put out. You know, is he going to is he going to take a view? Well, you know what, they're, they're starting to um, they're starting to get a bit of form in the Premier League. Do we leave key players out and keep them for next week, um, or, or do we play a full strength team? So um, I mean, I can I can see both teams being slightly weaker than they could be. Um, I still take Spurs to win being at home um, and I think uh, the key also I think you've got in effect with Richarlison he's a new he's a new signing because when he joined he was understudy to Kane you know you've got to give players particularly when they join a club several games on the spin to start being part of it and then last season he was injured so he's had his operation and now he's back and now he's sort of first choice and he's fit and he's bounced back and his work rate's terrific and there's, you know, five out of five, five from five he's scored. So so for me, you know, Richie's going to be key. Um, I do fancy him to score 15 to 20 goals this season. By the end of the season, I, th- I think he'll be there and um, I think he'll be the difference on Friday. Yeah, hopefully, it's, I think it's the old adage, we see it, we see it said quite a lot, uh, certainly common, when you see a team go weak and then have to bring on, well, mostly for Spurs, to be fair, you start weak and then you have to bring on your stars later on in games to try and drag something back. Hopefully, we, we start, we learn and we do it the other way around. We go out strength, full strength, and then we can make our changes later on. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, what are you expecting to see in this game from, from both Spurs and from Burnley? I don't know. I think Burnley will will go more or less their, their starting eleven. Um, we can't say youth because I think companies built a team that's average age is like nineteen. Like every, <laughs> they're all babies. Like check a player, they're they're all under like twenty two. Is crazy. Um, but no, from our side of things, what what I think is important, and Ian, I'm sure you agree, is that we got it absolutely wrong against Fulham, where you play every single B team player at once. That's not how it goes. Now, for me, I'd like to see Richie's a player who's on form. He's a confidence player that works on his confidence. For me, he has to start. Keep that run of games going. Um, Son, let him have a little break. Um, and then you could either... Son is gone. Well, is he already gone? Is yeah, he already yeah gone? he's not available for this game. That's fine. So then you've got a spare gap there. I would probably bring uh, Hill into there. Um, what about Dane Scarlett? Do you have him as an option? No. For on the bench? Uh, for on the bench, yeah, of course. Um, but again, you can't start for me. Three or four uh, subs at most. Um, I want to see Benzica play again, get his match fitness evenness for 60 minutes. Uh, Benzica at the six. Um, play, play Donnelly and Lacelso, um in the two eights. Or you could go Donnelly and Kulu, whichever one, Lacelso or Kulu. I'd probably edge more to giving Kulu a rest and let the Celso keep building on the current form he's doing um, and he then gives I, us more 
defensively as well. If you're yeah. playing someone like Donna, you're going to want someone who gets about the pitch a bit more and, and does no, the hard yards. Donna, Donna, Donna Lee works. He's absolutely socks off. Trust me about that. Um, he can defend just as well as going forward. He's a genuine eight. Like, um, and then I'd probably put in Phillips next to Davies um, and potentially play Emerson at left back. Um or play Emerson at right back, give Porro a rest. Adoji's just come back from suspension, so he could probably start actually and thinking about it. And I'd probably give Porro a rest and play Emerson right back. So I think for me, the key is always when you're integrating a youth player or a new player, you need to put them with the best available players. There is no point putting a, a young player in there. And it's like the same, putting Phillips next to Emerson, who's not sitting in the back. Of course, you're not going to see the best Phillips, right? But put Phillips next to a Van Der Ven or a Romero, it's a totally different player. So for me, the best options we've got is probably Ben Davies um, at that centre-back role. Um, so yeah, three or four changes give some vital players a rest that we're going to rely on heavily in the coming months, and and that's it. I don't want to see any more Fulham. We we lost that game because we made far far too many changes in my eyes. So I, I thought we lost the game because they were better at penalties than us. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, we, we made nine changes. I'll I'll take issue with you there, Christian. We normally agree with on most points, but I I just felt that. There's no European football. The pre-season was match. You know, that pre-season tour was a joke. And the guy's come in. He's he's been in the he's been in the club two or three months only. He's not a hundred percent sure. You know, you can't be of the capabilities of your squad because you want to see them in a match situation. So he, that was his opportunity to see quite a few players play a match. So you know, the the guy's got a. For me, it was more important that, that he got his feet under the, under the table and starts looking and seeing how good players are. No, that's, the, that's fair the enough. Day, we only yeah. lost some penalties, didn't we? I think there was an overreaction to that. I feel it was our desperation to see a trophy. I think there was a bit of an overreaction to, to the performances in that game. But um, Here's the question, though, Ash, just before you move on, is you can't then say right so that was at the start of the season you can understand that but in the game if he was to do that against Burnley this far in the season would you still have the same opinion now we've we've mostly because we've been forced to but we've seen every player in the squad now they've all had good minutes out there he knows what each player can give him um, and I'm not saying all of his uh, selections so far have been great, but he should he should know what it will take to get a result out of this game. Um, he's seen Burnley up front as well. He's he's seen them. Uh, we've been, we've been to their place and we did them five two. So he knows he knows he should know what to expect. Um, so I think I think even if he did go with that team, obviously we don't have Sanchez and whatnot. But if he did go with as close to that team as he could now. I think we'd see a better result than we did in that fun game. Like you said, like Ian said, it was it was marginal. It was it was just penalty. I know we scored when they had ten men on the pitch because because uh, Tete had to run off or whatever he didn't. But still, um, yeah, I think it would be marginal. But let's let's we're gonna have to wait and see for the uh, for the starting lineup. Um, but what what do we think about results? Ian, do you uh, how, how do you feel about giving us a um, your, your your best guess on the result? Oh, two one. Chris, concur? Uh, no, I've seen Burnley a few times and they're, they're awful. They are <laughs> really bad. And it's not because of company. Like He's trying to 
carry on the style of football. I just think some of their players are just nowhere near. Um, they've got some really bright talents like uh, Koli Osho, uh, Amdouni. Um, yeah, they're doing all right. But then you look at their, their defence and Roberts ain't good enough. Uh, O'Shea ain't good enough. So... Uh, if we go out, we take our chances um, and we perform like we know we can, uh, I think it's another 2-3-0 win for me. Yeah, 3-0, enough said. Um, we haven't really had, we had any transfers yet. I mean, it's only three days in as we're recording. It looks like Dragos team will eventually come, hopefully in time to really be settled in for the Manchester United game. Uh, Ian, we haven't spoken to you before, so is there anything other than a centre-back that you think we definitely desperately need this month? Um, I'm sort of conflicted a bit because I think it's key that we don't block the path to the first team for the kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I've looked at I've looked at this season, and I, I said at the beginning of this season, Although with a chairman like the one we've got, the, the manager hasn't got a free hit, he should have a free hit because after the previous four years of, of absolute garbage and, and the club going downhill at the race of knots, this is his this is his season to get it sorted. And I think I think expectations have, have been been raised greatly because of the start we had. So he's probably under pressure to get Spurs in the Champions League now. Um, but for me, it's I'd rather see the kids being given a chance. You know, this is the best best of kids that I can remember since the Barnby Darren Caskey days of the early nineties. Um, and I, I want to see the kids brought in. You know, yes, we do. We need another centre back. I don't know. Is Phillips up to it? I don't know. Yeah, and. Yeah, so we need, you know, you've, you've got you've got Solomon coming back, you've got Gill, who I've no idea whether he's good enough or not, you know, because he's never had a run. Everybody says, you know, he's too weak physically, but, you know, look at Bernardo Silva, mm. look at Lionel Messi, and, and Gill's a similar build. So, you know, the, these these players are successful, you know, they, these are the players that they're top players, so... There's no reason why, for me, Gil can't make it in the Premier League. He's just got to have a run of games. He needs a manager who trusts him. I don't think so far we've had one. And I think that says enough about him as it is, to be fair. You're right, he hasn't had a a run of games, but there must be a reason for it. He's been around long enough. Um, He he did all right in the league. Maybe, maybe we just aren't the club for him. It happens sometimes. There's nothing against the lad. Just the way it is. But I'm with you. We We need to be careful. A lot of people talking about a uh, an attacking midfielder coming in to compete with Madison, but then what do you do with Donnelly and Devine and and the other young lads coming through? And Lo uh, Celso. And Lo as well. You're right there. Yeah. So um, I think we do need a centre back. I think Andrew's made that clear as well. I can't I can't see Emerson playing there any longer, and he's, he's clearly not ready to throw in Phillips or Dorrington. So um, let's let's see let's see what else what else happens. Right, Chris, before we say our goodbyes, any any points or questions you want to raise? Oh, just a bit of breaking news from uh, Mr Fabrizio Romano. Um, apparently, Tottenham and, and Genoa are just now in talks for payment structure. Oh, so yeah. I expect Dragosin probably be signed by the weekend, hopefully. 
if if those stories are true, hopefully it'd be announced. Problem is, is they got announcing was it twelve o'clock Thursday tomorrow or twelve o'clock? Nah, next week. Well, we don't play United, and well, he's not going to be in the Bournemouth game. In the no, so when Burnley do we play game, the twelfth? That's not till the fourteenth. So we've got ages. Oh, okay. Then we're good. So he's, he's, I reckon the weekend, if all goes well, we should have our centre back in. He might be at the game watching from the stands. Who knows? Uh, Ian, any anything you'd like to raise or any questions you may have before we depart? No, not really. Just I'm quite chilled at the moment. For me, it's the end of the season. I, I said no expectations, no disappointment. So, yeah, you know, I'm not going to get too upset. I've, I've been cheesed off. I've been following the club. When I was 66, I've been following the club for many years and I'm desperate to see him win the Premier League. I think it's it's happening under Ange. Maybe not this year. (laughs) Maybe next year. You know, the shame is it's wide open this year. Yeah. Yeah, we never, but we know City always finish strong. Um, it's interesting to see what happens to Liverpool with Salah gone for, for three or four games. Uh, I, I tell, I tell you what, Ian, we'll we'll get back together come mid mid Feb and we'll see where we're at, and that's when I think we can start dreaming. If we get into Feb and we're still two two to to five points out, then we can start dreaming. I think. In the words of Ange, the words of Big Ange himself, Chris, let him dream. Yeah. Let him dream. We well, he said we saying that just before we cut. I thought we all know that he, this guy, must be so intellectual. Um, without knowing to him, but his public speaking is absolutely perfect, and the way he answered back the reporter, um, I can't remember the exact verbatim, but when he said about. Um, about being uh, three points off top. Yeah, three. But, well, when I look at it, with three points off top, or because he got he got told about being behind, what was behind him, and oh, mate, brilliant, brilliant. He's just so, genuine, genuine we're, six, we're six off the top now, but you know what? The PGMOL cannot keep giving. No, that debt's been paid, isn't it, Ian? Jesus, that debt's been right. paid. Four times over. Ten times that's been paid. <laughs> I don't know how they can look at, at Jota taking three extra steps after being <laughs> being slightly touched on his way through. It's, it's mental. It's mental. And, and I like the quote by Neil Ruddock that, that not every contact is a foul. No, no. And we have to, that's that's the, my big my big issue with VAR is when they go super slow mo and zoom right in just to see if there is any contact. But no, that's not. Just leave it alone. Did it look like enough at the time to make the centre player down? No, it didn't. Move on. The biggest problem, Ash, we've got in world football, and that there are three people who are who are killing the game. You've got Infantino and Kefferen for FIFA and UEFA, who are won't be happy until you know until a player drops down dead because they're just they're just knocking these players into the grounds. Money, money. All they want is money in their pockets. That's all they're interested in. That's all they're interested in. We've had Mwamba, we've had Ericsson, you know, you've had one or two others. Yeah, that's right. You know, one or two others that have passed away. There was an African boy, wasn't there? Who? Yeah, not too long ago. And and if this carries on, players will start, you know, you'll get, and I don't think I'm being dramatic because you're seeing players going down with heart problems. Yeah. Um, and, and the third person who's killing it is David Ellery, who is the key rule changer at IFAB. Oh, he's the guy that's changed the offside rule or handball rule like four times in four seasons or something like that. He was killing the game. 
I don't know how we um, we get it back on track though, because when you look at the way that Carragher spoke about that penalty, I don't think going the extra player route is, is the answer either. We just need some sensible minds making sensible decisions in there somewhere, and hopefully we can bring this back round. But anyway, I think that's a that's a good moment to leave it. Again, I hope you all have a fantastic year. Thank you again for tuning in, and come on, you Spurs. Thank you.